0: This is the 77 WABC Minicast. We have Professor Alan Dershowitz, and of course, his new book is The Case Against Jews. Um, the War Against Jews is his brand new book that just came out. And Professor Dershowitz, I have a lot on the Harvard case, uh, but first just answer this. Does it seem like there's a federal uh, a federal issue here where the federal court would take up this redistricting, if the, if the like uh, balance of Congress is in question, that's a big issue. Maybe he doesn't
1: know about it. No, I know about it. Since the time I was a law clerk on the Supreme Court in 1963, the Supreme Court has taken lots and lots of these cases. The first one they took was in 63 when I was there, the first of the reapportionment gerrymander cases. They now take them selectively. And uh anytime there is a potential racial issue or ethnic issue or religious issue, they tend to take the case. If it's just a political issue, what they say is not nah, political thicket. You know, Eldridge Jerry invented gerrymandering, it was part of the American system, let it be.
0: But in this case, and uh, and again I'm listening to it, it it seems like they went judge shopping. Um, I'm also just hearing that there was so they they wouldn't let LaSalle in. Then I'm hearing that they got the one moderate judge. They basically got that judge to recuse, um, you know, from the position. So it seems like there was like uh, some fishy stuff there. Is that enough, Professor Dershowitz?
1: That's not that's not the kind of thing that's retail. The court likes to deal in wholesale. Um, You know, uh, John sells retail. Uh, and, you know, he's 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 great. I love going into his retail store. But you pick one item at a time. The Supreme Court doesn't like that. It likes to have wholesale cases, which affect the entire country. Professor, this is Craig Eaton. The one problem I see is that six months from now, we're going to have primaries for these congressional races. Yeah. yeah. So so how are we going to, you know, it's, it's going to be the same situation we had with the state senate and the state assembly a few years ago, where you're going to be running in a district where you're not going to know where your district lines are and where you live. It's going to be... Total chaos, chaos total and confusion chaos. again. It so, is going to be total chaos, and yeah. the Supreme Court's going to say that's a matter for the state to fix. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. I, let me move on to Harvard with Harvard, you. Harvard! I want yeah. to go by Harvard! Oh, my oh God. God. Can you believe this? Professor Dershowitz, the board of Harvard, unanimously decided to keep the president after that abysmal testimony last week.
1: Well, it wasn't only her testimony. It was her history as dean of the college where she was in charge of kind of what they call safism, let's make the minds of students safe from difficult questions. She would be in charge, basically, of, uh, you know, for example, a Harvard student got admitted. Then they found that years ago when he was 15 years old in a high school chat room, he said something nasty about a group of people. They rescinded his his acceptance when the president of Harvard, the former president, uh, Larry Summers, said something controversial about women in mathematics. They fired him. But suddenly, the First Amendment applies at Harvard only to protect hate speech against Jews. Uh, President Gay discovered the First Amendment on October 7th. She never knew it existed before that. And she uses it only to protect people, vicious people who have attacked Jews. That's why she should have been fired. But the same group that hired her was asked to fire her. That means they would have to admit their own mistake. Look what would happen to Penn? Penn... Not only did the president get dismissed, but the chairman of the board got dismissed. So I think in order to get the president of Harvard dismissed, you're going to have to go after the board. You're going to have to go after the people who put it there in the first place.
0: Well, and all the faculty yeah, let me ask came out. Question. It was like 800 faculty if members. If I
1: gave $100 million to Harvard 10, 15 years ago, and and I gave it to the Harvard that I went to school in and in the Harvard yeah. what yeah. Harvard believed in, the statement and, of principles. And, and the statement of principles has changed. Do I have the right to say, you're trying to be a different Harvard? I want to claw back the, the $100 million I gave to you. Is that the case, like case? case. Yeah, especially if the money is continuously used. For example, if you give $100 million and it's spread out over a 20 year period or something like that, definitely you could get, I think, the money back that hasn't been spent. The clawback. You know, again, that would be a matter of Massachusetts law, but uh, a lot of Harvard donors are furious, just furious, because what the 800 faculty members said, the 800 who pandered, because they knew the president wasn't going to lose a job and they didn't want to attack their boss. So what the 800 said is don't listen to alumni. Well, all right, don't listen to alumni. How about listening to professors, to people like me or Steve Pinker, Harvey Silvergate, others who have come out with strong arguments against gay or Bill Ackerman, don't listen to him because he gives millions of dollars. Listen to him because he has good ideas. But this elitist board uh, headed by uh, Pritzker um, doesn't want to hear from anybody. They are the, the platonic guardians of Harvard. Don't tell them what to do. Don't put pressure on them. And the faculty supports them. The faculty would never support them if the shoe were on the other foot. If, for example, alumni were pressuring Harvard to admit more blacks or to have more DEA, uh, these same 700 people would say, oh, please, you got to listen to the alumni. It's not about structural issues at Harvard. It's about who wins and who uses. And what's the problem with Harvard is that they've divided everybody in Harvard along racial lines, ethnic lines, political lines. Nobody is judged anymore as an individual. What group do you belong to? If you're a Republican, you have no teachers at Harvard. Three percent, three percent of Harvard faculty regard themselves as as conservative, you know, and they say you need more black professors because people have to have somebody to identify with. How about kids who come from the Midwest who are conservative and who can't find a single professor in their department who represents a conservative point of view? And that's supposed to be diversity because there are there are, there are people of different skin colors. That's not diversity. Diversity
0: in a university is of opinion. So what does this say about higher education now with this decision from Harvard today?
1: It's a terrible reflection on higher education, because even if gay were fired along with um, the professor, the the president, it wouldn't get to the real issue. The real issue is dividing campuses along racial and ethnic lines. You know, there are now schools that have separate graduations for blacks, separate dormitories for blacks, separate (laughs) eating facilities. You know, I was part of the civil rights movement. I went down south in in the 60s to campaign for equality, not equity. And he diversity, equity, what Martin inclusion, Luther King Alan, Richard Womberg hmm? this whole phenomenon of diversity, equity, inclusion, it's all my yeah. games. It's all nonsense. Well, it's worse than that, because inclusion, according to the rules of the university, excludes Jews and Asians. Excludes them. And diversity excludes. You can be the darkest skinned Jew in the history. And... You're not included in diversity because you have a J next to your name. You're Jewish. You know, it reminds me of the Russian passports, which had G on it. You know, you're a Jew. You were identified as such. That's what's going on in well, the Saudi Arabia schools. does the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, what Columbia, um, I think it was Columbia. I'm not sure, but I think it was Columbia. A professor called on somebody who spoke with a slight accent. He said, are you Jewish? Are you Israeli? And the guy said, yes. He said, well, you can't speak in my class unless you're willing to admit that your country committed war crimes.
0: Oh, yeah, I heard that. It's shocking.
1: imagine a professor talking like that to a student, treating people differently because of where they come from? New York law prohibits it. Federal law prohibits it. And yet it's permitted by Harvard rules. What she should have said when she was asked the question, she should have said, by the standards that govern Harvard and have governed it for years now, of course, calling for genocide against the Jews. Is against the law, rules of Harvard because even saying something moderately nasty about blacks or gays or transgenders is against the rule of, of Harvard. So, Afua Shiari if you're calling for genocide, of course, but she wouldn't admit. Yep, I agree. That, yep. You know, these violations of free speech. She said, "No, we are committed to complete." Uh, expression, freedom of expression. Well, Professor, true, it
0: isn't. absolutely. Professor Dershowitz, thank you so much again. The book is The War Against the Jews. We always love having you on, and, and what a sad day done. for higher mm-hmm. education. Wow. Yes, yeah, thank you. Happy
1: Hanukkah, everybody, and Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah.
0: Thank you. Tomorrow night, we're letting the menorah, uh,
1: Professor.